Welcome to episode 22 of the Game Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Thompson. Here with me is Michael Majors. Uh, I'm Gold, Majors Platinum, and we're playing some Magic this weekend, Michael. Are you excited? Yeah, a little bit. Man, what a lukewarm reaction. I don't know. I played a lot of Magic this week, actually, so that was kind of dumb. Yeah, that's fair. I thought about Magic a lot this week. Well, I I think about Magic a lot every week. Yeah, same. I, I did do a draft last night. Whoa, like a live draft? A live draft. A live three on three random teams after with i think five wizards employees dude that sounds like a lot of fun it was fun i think i do like 30 drafts a year no that, that that's that's low maybe it's 60 how, how did the number double <laughs> that's what i want to know oh i i don't know i just I, I didn't think about it very hard probably like 15 drafts per pt that that sounds about right okay yeah man it was fun i haven't done that in a while it was really cool to just chill out play some magic with your friends so this weekend, I have Grand Prix Vancouver, that's modern. You have SCG Baltimore, which is team-constructed one-of-each format? Yes. I, I believe it's the only tournament of its kind ever. Yeah, because San Antonio is team modern, and then Mexico City is team limited. So I think this is it. Yeah, usually uh, team-constructed formats have some kind of deck-building restriction because you're usually playing the same format. But uh, with three different formats being showcased, there is no deck building construction. Oh, man. You could play Black Green Delirium in all three seats. Yeah, you could play 12 Fatal Pushes if you so desired. Man, that is sick. Okay, so your squad. Myself, Tom Ross, the boss, and Todd Anderson. And how, how are you feeling? How do you like your chances? Well, should I put on my Elitist Pro hat for a second? <laughs> yes. It, wait, is this Elitist Platinum Pro or Elitist SCG Tour Pro? Uh, SCG Tour Pro for sure. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Because I'm like the, the weak link when it comes to the SG circuit. Yeah, that's not even close. They're, they're like, these guys are like number one and number two. How do yeah, you get on the team? They're, they're titans of the game and I'm just a guy. No, I, I think we are favorite to top four. So I saw a thing on social media today that BBD and Brad Nelson are teaming with Jeff Hoogland. I mean, that is a very powerful team who, if you are to win the tournament, you probably have to go through. I didn't know if that was a troll or not. I had I had no idea. No, no, I actually had lunch with BBD today. They are, they are teaming together. Dude, you got to hang out with BBD. That's awesome. I know, it's pretty great. Man, he never had lunch with us when I was in Roanoke. Well, don't get me wrong. It was it, This is a rare occurrence. I was surprised you was there. Okay. All right, so Todd in Standard... Mm-hmm. You and Modern, Tom and Legacy. Yep, we, we, we audible at the last minute. I was going to be the Legacy guy for a good week and a half, I think. Yeah, why did why did you guys change? I guess now is as good of a time to, you know, kind of BS about this as any. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess Tom just came to the conclusion that he really wanted to play Legacy, and, or rather Infect and Legacy. For whatever reason, he thinks it's well-positioned, and I didn't really have any strong feelings towards playing Legacy. I was just going to play Soulside Delver again, so whatever. Oh, man. How do you not play with Reed's deck? Reed's deck is awesome. Yeah, his deck is definitely awesome. I was just going to play the, you know, run it back, basically. I hadn't thought much about it. Play a couple yeah. Fatal Pushes and call it a day. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so we should we should actually do this in the order that we thought we were going to do this in. Let's talk about Standard first. So you're, you sent a list to Todd Anderson. I did. It is black-green, a little lower-the-ground, energy-based... I'll, I'll try and remember to post this list in the show notes, but yeah, it's it's like pretty normal. It just like looks really, really well-tuned. Looks like a good version of this deck. So why this one instead of, you know, Delirium or Control or Vehicles or whatever? Well, I should preface this with the fact that Todd didn't really like my list and he's probably just going to end up doing his own thing. But uh, oh, fair enough. yeah, I don't know. I, I think that the energy sub-theme is pretty strong. I can totally understand the argument of like Glint's Leave Siphoner being weak in the mirror because it's kind of vulnerable to walking ballista I, I think the conclusion i've come to is that if your opponent goes turn two constrictor on the play and you just you have to kill it immediately no matter what and like the only semi-safe play is to play your own constrictor back because like everything else is just vulnerable to everything yeah so i don't know if that like means that if you're on the draw you have to mulligan any hand without constrictor or removal which if that's the case is pretty bleak 
And I think uh, Long Tusk Cub is pretty underrated in general. It's also just like another thing that synergizes nicely with Whining Constrictor. And I don't really think there's a reasonable excuse for not playing Greenbelt Rampager, but maybe I'm wrong. I think Rampager's very good. Yeah, I think I... it's super good, and it really complements the Bestiary sideboard. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I It is weird to see these lists with no Rampager. I also feel like with Rampager, it's it's so good with Heart of Kirin. Like, why do you not have two Heart of Kirins in this deck? Uh, yeah, maybe that's the slot Aether Sphere Harvester is currently occupying. That should be the case. Or, you know, if you don't like Siphoner as much, maybe you can mix up the two drops a bit there. That makes sense. Yeah, you want to talk about Bestiary a little bit? Yeah, I, I don't actually... So I, I, I saw a lot of people... I was a spectator for Grand Prix Pittsburgh. I was watching it from the safety of my couch in Atlanta. And uh, I saw a lot of people bringing in Bestiary in that matchup. Just to, like, outgrind their opponents. And I don't know if that's right. In the mirror? Yeah. Okay, I could kind of see that. It, like, kind of makes sense if you have somewhere between, like, 8 and 10 removal spells post-board and you're playing Rampager. I could definitely see you just, like, completely outpacing your opponent with Beast Cherry, but obviously the, the kind of intention is for the more Jeskai-slighted matchups. Yeah, I like Beast Cherry when your curve is low, but you also have a lot of good tools to stop your opponent from going over the top of you. Like, when we were testing for the Pro Tour, I was working on Martin's Jun Vehicles deck, which was actually, like, Severa's Jun Vehicles deck, but whatever. I started with a couple bestiaries. I was like, yeah, I want to try these, but the deck was pretty light on removal, and you could outdraw the control decks pretty easily with it, but eventually they would, like, combo you out, or they would just beat you down with gear hulks, and, like, they'd be drawing cards and stuff, too, and it was just like, yeah, I never had enough interaction to actually beat them. I'm just drawing, like, more cubs and more brawlers and just, like, things that didn't really impact the game all that much, whereas with this black-green deck, you have Grass, Push, Murder, Ruinous Path, like, in your deck, and, you know, things like Plainswalkers, and it seemed like Bestiary in green-black was actually very good against them, but it was not very good out of the, the smaller deck, basically. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's a lot harder for the Jun deck to fully develop this plan associated with the Bestiary. It's just like this complementary strategy. Yeah, but if you have black in your deck, I think Bestiary is awesome, and Especially with this list with the lower curve, I feel like Bestiary could be really good in the mirror. I haven't honestly haven't put enough work into standard to know for sure if that's the the plan you should take, but I mean it makes sense. Yeah, one thing that I saw at the Grand Prix was uh, Anand Carey. I, I I really don't think I'm pronouncing his name right, and I've known him for years, but yep. I don't think that we were ever like formally introduced. <laughs> I think actually, yeah, like. Every time I see him, I'm like, hey, man, what's up? You know, like, we, we're, we are acquaintances, but I don't think we've ever been formally introduced either. Yeah. He had one natural obsolescence main, and I was like, that, that seems really good, because it's just a really good removal spell against Mardu, and in the mirror, it can kill a Ballista or a Gear Hulk. And then I think Ben Rubin was in the top 16. He had two of them main deck. Yeah, it's legit. Like, what's the worst case scenario? It, it bends a Gear Hulk for two mana? Right. Yeah, so it's like, if you play against Jeskai, it's still alive, and, you know, you don't really want to play Murder Ruinous Path, like, I like Murder a lot, but it's kind of clunky, and BB is not free, certainly, so having Obsolescence that can act as this thing that kills Gearhawks for just two mana seems awesome, and there are very few decks that it's actually dead against. Yeah, it's probably just smart, actually. Having to play a bunch of Grasps or whatever can suck if your opponent just, like, slams you with Gearhawks back-to-back, so I yeah, can buy I that. Mean, you look at your deck, and you have Siphoner, which I think is kind of questionable. And then you have Winding Constrictor, which is obviously great. You have Fatal Push, which is great, but could potentially be something else. And then you have Grasp. So it's like you have these four black cards. One of them is BB, and you kind of need it early. So it just like really, really hammers your mana base. And that's kind of how we got to playing Jund, where it was like, uh, we just play Harness Lightning over Grasp. Then we get Disintegration, which is awesome. Yeah, it's legit. Another strength of building the deck in that manner is that you eventually get to double spell, like, two turns in a row, probably. And if you have Grasp, it's much harder to do that. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, if you if you cut Siphoner, and then you're like, oh, Grasp is not great, then it's like, well, maybe that could be Harness Lightning, maybe we could play Disintegration, and maybe this is just a brand new deck, sort of. But I think, like, you add a color, you have Hub and Attune with Aether already, like, Game Trail is not the worst. Yeah, you know? I, actually, okay, uh, but... I started with that list as Green Black Splash Red. The The sketch I had ended up with two Harness Lightning, three Disintegration, but it just seemed kind of uh, sketchy to me. Yeah, that's legit. But, you know, 
These are just little things that people could be doing in standard and not a lot of people are. But when you play the games and actually look at the deck list, it's like, man, there are not a lot of black cards in here. And one of them is Grasp of Darkness. So that seems wrong to me. Yeah, I buy it. It's just like the the strength of the deck when you turn to Winding Constrictor is just through the roof. So you like basically have to go out of your way to support that. If it's just a light splash of Winding Constrictor, like black is kind of free. I mean, you have Hub, Attune, Blooming Marsh. So yeah. it's not that hard to actually turn on. And you're not playing a bunch of red cards anyway. So you're basically just like a green deck with two splashes. What do you think about uh, Oath of Nyssa? I mean, Oath is fine. I just think if you're playing energy, you definitely want a tune. And Oath is not guaranteed to actually get you anywhere. And then if you want your turn one land to be a creature land or an evolving wilds, or maybe it's like a game trail that ETB's tapped or something, like then Oath gets really bad. Well, I actually think that a tune with Aether is significantly better, especially if you make some effort to you know support your deck with energy cards. But uh, I know Brad has moved towards Oath of Nyssa and the guy who won the Grand Prix played it, obviously. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm mostly happy playing Oath instead of Traverse or playing Oath and, like, two Traverses. But, like, the ones that had three Traverse and 23 land just seems so abysmal to me because you had, like, such a big curve and you really do want to curve out and you have things like Tireless Tracker. So just, like, you want n- lands naturally, you know? Like, you don't really have a problem with flooding. And you can Traverse for a land, but I think Traverse is better if... It allows you to maybe get a land if you need it, but like you could actually get to hold it to reassemble your snake ballista combo or get a gear hulk or whatever, you know? Like you don't want to have to pay G to get all of all of your land drops, you know? It's like basically just like you're playing more ETB tap lands. It's also like extremely difficult for that deck to actually get delirium. Like it can happen, of course, but it's usually like a turn six thing. Yeah, I mean when you're playing thirty creatures and twenty five land or whatever, you know, it's tough. Yeah. You know, what do you think about standard or black green or how would you build your deck? Uh, I would still play basically my deck from the Pro Tour. I've been updating it a little bit now with, you know, Black Green Crush the, the Grand Prix. I think that was pretty easy to see coming, I guess. You know, like everyone was just like, well, Mardu's great. So I guess we're all playing Black Green and then that thing happened. Uh, so now I'm like playing a Brawl's Expertise main. I could potentially play a second one, but I don't want a bunch of clunky stuff. Yeah, just hedging a little bit more for that matchup is probably where you want to be. But I do think my deck is really good. And I'm just, like, kind of upset that I wasn't at this Grand Prix. Well, you know what they say, life's full of choices. Ooh. Man, who says that? Who's they? It's actually just me and people I know, but I like the phrase. I like that it's life's full of choices, and then it's just, like, you get to determine what that means and how that affects you. Yeah. It's like, well, you said, I really wish I was at that Grand Prix. You could have gone. Man, I could have gone. You're right. What did I do that weekend instead? Nothing? Probably nothing. Yeah, probably nothing. Flying kind of sucks. Me, on the other hand, I felt no regret for not going to the Grand Prix. Yeah, but you didn't have a deck that you knew was great. I mean... You don't believe me. Nah, I trust you. I would have just played your deck. Ooh, dope. When's the next standard Grand Prix? Um, that's a good question. Uh, New Jersey, maybe? Ooh, yeah. I was gonna go to that one. I think it's like March 12th, something like that. I'll see you there. Yeah, so if your deck's still good, you know, we can talk about it, tune it a little bit. I'll, I'll fight with some beat teams. I love that card. Hell yeah. Okay, so I would probably do that, but I will caution that this deck is, I don't know, like, you ever look at someone like Todd Anderson, and you're just like, man, that guy is like a savant with playing these, like, tempo-y blue decks, or like, Costa and Dave Shields were just insane with Delver, like, that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, people are, I don't know if comfortable is the right word or whatever, but, you know, they, they, they can naturally pick up on the you know, small nuances of doing certain things and leading the games into certain play patterns, but they have preferences. Yeah, and I think that my deck from the Pro Tour is kind of like that. Like, you really need to be in tune with where the game is going because there are so many different game plans you could take. It's not like Black-Green where it's just like, all right, you pile on some creatures, put counters on things, kill stuff. You know, like, the nuance of the Black-Green deck is certainly there, but it's not nearly as much as with this four-color deck, because the four-color deck's plan is always changing from turn to turn. And you're also just, like, given a bunch of choices of, like, card selection, like, you know, you for Scrying, you have Oath of Nyssa, stuff like that, so if you pick the wrong cards that are, that are mixing up your plans, you're not doing some cohesive strategy, you're just gonna end up halfway. Life is full of choices, Michael. That's right, sometimes three choices. So yeah, deck is tough to play. I, I would... I would caution against just picking it up blind, but I do think that if you are familiar with any sort of Delver deck, or you're, you're really good at playing, like, the B-side of Splinter Twin, that sort of thing, then 
this deck is kind of for you. It, it's not really a Delver deck, but it is, I, I feel like it's kind of the same thing where the Delver deck's game plan changed a lot too. You know, like how, how am I going to win the game and trying to execute on that plan while also realizing that in between like your opponent casting two spells, your plan could change three times, you know? Yeah, not trying to talk shit, but your, your deck was shown a few times on camera. And it seemed like a lot of people had difficulty in that adjustment. One dude just missed a kill on board, you know, with his deep fiend because he sacrificed a Warlord Virtuoso instead of Feldar Guardian. Which, you know, I assume in his head, he's just like, well, if, if I peel Sahili, my opponent is dead. And otherwise, I'm just going to, like, deal him a bunch of damage. And, like, you know, maybe I'll get over the finish line if I draw a second deep fiend, which is what ended up happening. But if he'd just been more in tune with the fact that I'm just trying to kill my opponent, then he could have done. Yeah, and it's always looking for those lines. And activating Marvel, too, is one of the things where it's just like, oh, man, you know, like, I thought I was, like, trying to kill my opponent, but now I just have the combo set up, or I thought I was trying to set up the combo, but now I can actually just take this Deep Fiend and kill my opponent, or whatever, you know? Everything changes always. With Black-Green, your plan is basically the same every turn, you know? Like, how you accomplish that plan is probably going to change. Like, there are going to be turns where you make some big attack, and then some where you slow down, and you're like, okay, well, I have to you know, find an answer or build up my ballista or find a removal spell, whatever. But yeah, this deck is super complicated, but I do feel like people like Costa, Dave, whatever, like they can pick up the deck and just like probably play it blind because they're used to it. So I'm actually pretty surprised Todd's not playing your deck because like you kind of alluded to, it, it seems to speed. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Kevin Jones played my deck and I would say that Kevin is good at those sorts of decks too but i don't know for me it's like oh it's easy right like sideboarding is easy and my sideboard was pretty simple in my mind but like i've played the games i know what i'm trying to do in all the matchups and he was just like well you know you have natural states and k returns in your board so clearly against mardu vehicles i want to become a control deck right and he was like i don't know making some weird sideboarding choices and stuff and i'm just like no that's not right at all i i clearly did not explain that very well and without me explaining that well it's tough for someone to be expected to actually know that intuitively yeah i buy that i I assume your strategy is like you just want to get a two-turn reprieve with deep fiend plus k return ideally and then just kill them the k returns i have yet to flash back actually it's been kind of weird it's basically just like i want to like stem their early aggression and either try and race them or uh depending on how they sideboard if they're sideboarding in like a bunch of disruption either like more removal or red implements or metallic rebukes or whatever the games are slowing down then i think i want more marvels but i think if they're trying to kill me with mana leak backup then you can't play the marvels and you have to play like just a little bit more defensively mulligan more aggressively stuff like that like a lot of it depends on what your opponent is doing but kevin was like well these rogue refiners don't block really well so i'm gonna side them out and it's like no what are you doing (laughs) uh yeah and and that's actually kind of been a, a hot topic and you know just like content lately is that Marty Vehicles is like a very weird deck because it's like so multifaceted and it can do so many things. And people at the Grand Prix were like cyborging into like Fumigate Planeswalker decks. Yeah, and I do like that plan. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know how effective it is, but you know, in theory, it, it sounds sweet. It is weird that no one can kill the boat. Like their their plan is Fumigate Sky Sovereign just because like they have Grasp and like Natural State and just all this stuff. And I guess like Obsolescence is now the thing that people are playing. But at the Pro Tour, it was just bizarre to me. Dude, Sky Sovereign is so good. It's criminally underrated, really. Yeah. No, it is It is hella good. But I think people are kind of ready now. Ready-ish. More ready than they were, at least. Well, they. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they have, like, four answers in their deck instead of two or one. Yeah. Uh, so, for this tournament specifically, you asked Todd how many black-green decks he expected to play against. Yeah. And what was, what was his answer? His, his answer was about 10. And you're playing 15 rounds, right? Yep. And do you have buys? Are there buys for this or no? I don't know, actually, but my, my I would assume no, because that's usually how team tournaments are structured. Yeah, it would seem kind of difficult to actually get a structure, you know? Like, what if you have one dude on the leaderboard? and Yeah, and, and Tom is the only person with three, so... Yeah. Oh, man, that'd be great. You just back back off his. That would be really unfair, basically. Once you start cutting to top four and you buys, and if your opponents don't, then you just have such a massive advantage. Especially three buys. Three is a lot. Yeah, it is. Like, your your breakers are just automatically absurd. Okay, so 10 out of 15 rounds. The math doesn't really check out on that because black-green is, you know, what, 30% of the metagame, 40%? I mean, it might be 40%, but that sounds awfully high to me. 
I think the theory is in most standard tournaments, like the cream rises to the top. So like on day two, the numbers of black green should be higher than on day one, right? Because if those decks are winning more frequently than the random decks, you're going to play against them more often in the later stages of the tournament. But this is a team tournament where maybe the black green deck wins, but the other two people lose, you know, because they're playing different formats and stuff. But actually the way this tournament is structured, it makes me think that like, you know, you're talking about Tom is the expert on legacy infect. So obviously we're going to have Tom play legacy. And I feel like a lot of people are going to be like, oh, well, you know, John knows his black green deck really well. He just, you know, top aided the, or like won a PPTQ or top aided an open or won a GP or some stuff, you know? So it's like, it, it feels like if you are a standard expert, you are probably playing something like black green. And it's possible that just like a higher majority of standard decks are going to be black green than in any other tournament. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible. I don't really expect him to play against many Jeskai control decks, so I assume the vast majority of his matchups are going to be black, green, and Marty vehicles, and maybe one or two four-color city lane. Yeah, I don't know. Like, how many people are you like, all right, who's the standard expert on our team? And they're like, yeah, I'm the standard expert. I'm going to play Paradoxical Outcome or whatever. You know, like, that's just not going to happen. I feel like it's even less likely to happen for, like, four-color Sahili, right? Because even if there's a person on the team who loves the deck, I feel like his teammates are going to be like, ah, oh, we don't think that deck's very good. You should play Black Green because it's better, right? Like, there's also the you're playing for your teammates kind of thing. Yeah, I agree with that for something like Paradoxical Outcome where a guy might just want to play it for fun and see how well he does or whatever, and he doesn't want to disappoint his teammates, so he would not play that in this tournament. But I think Force of Color Sahili, like, is in the realm of completely reasonable normal decks. It's funny you mention that because I'm actually probably changing my modern choice. For Indy, I, I, I might play something a little bit more off the wall, but I'm, I'm being good to my teammates here. Slightly. Slightly. Your deck is still a weirdo. I, I think it's important to show people the new cards and interactions that they have access to. I just I don't, I don't appreciate people just keeping it boring. No, I, I'm the same way, and I feel like Standard is kind of in that spot right now. People were saying that, like, Outcome beat Black, Green, and Mardu, and no one is playing it. I, I think that's more of a product of the storyline rather than reality. Yeah, maybe. I, <laughs> I do think the four-color deck is pretty good against both those decks, for whatever that's worth. Well, when you're registering a deck like that, has a combo kill, is difficult to play against, and can play on, like, multiple axes, like, you're, you're always alive to win any matchup. Yeah, a lot of those characteristics are, like, best deck territory, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's just a lot of the cards in your deck cost three and four mana, which inherently makes some clunky draws, especially if you're on the draw. Yeah, I think the fact that I have things like Whirler Virtuoso in my deck means that I'm probably not in best deck territory, but as far as, like, the game plans and how things actually play out and how difficult it is to play against, then it's just like, man, you know, like, you're going to get a lot of free game wins based on that stuff. I agree. It's a really difficult skill to pick up as to when to play fast and slow against decks like that because it can, you know, change in the in a turn. Man, you should have Todd play my deck. Yeah, probably. But he's not going to. Whatever. I'm not going to, like, try to convince him. Yeah, he's not going to. He's going to win all his matches anyway. Like, it doesn't really matter. I think that I'm going to have the lowest win rate, but I don't know if that's really avoidable in modern unless you just kind of run hot. Because, I mean, there's going to be, like, two really bad matchups I face, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, the the modern experts, like, when you look at what a modern expert on a team is going to be playing, it's goddamn anything. Yeah, I, I don't know if the B-seat is, like, a real thing, but, you know, maybe people will just want to, like, play Burn or Affinity or Bantle Drazi, just try to, like, brown their opponent and then, like, help out their teammates. Who knows what their strategy is going to be. I feel like this is a Northeastern thing, and a lot of people in the Northeast like Legacy, so they're probably just going to go so that, like, one of their guys can play Legacy anyway. And then if they're a Legacy person, they're probably friends with other Legacy people. So then what are those people going to play, you know? That's a good question. I don't know. Maybe those will be, like, the Jeskai control guys. This team is, or this, like, team format is pretty interesting. Yeah, I haven't really thought much into, like, the specifics or trying to, like, level the format or whatever. Basically just going to have a good time and expect to do pretty well as long as we don't screw it up or i don't screw it up for my teammates i should say because <laughs> you know your teammates are money yeah I, like my, my strategy is to never actually acknowledge that tom is next to me I'm just gonna let him do his thing just never talk to him because i'll I only mess it up yeah just let him be in the zone hopefully he doesn't watch you play and get disgusted or something yeah exactly well, la uh, last time we, we teamed together i 
I probably like through one of his games, which still kind of annoys me. I hear you. Or rather, the yeah. presence of that I was sitting next to him influenced his decision for making what he would normally do. Oh, it was like he didn't bluff attack or something? Yeah, he like asked me a question for a second instead of just like immediately bluff attacking, which he would have done, I think, for sure. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Oh, well. Tom, that's your jam. What are you doing? Yeah, I know. I liked sitting next to Cho, and I could just like put my hand on his thigh or something when I'm just like, it's okay. You know, just like do whatever you want. Like do not talk to me because it's going to like give some sort of information away. Right. It's just like, I trust you like that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I mean, especially like, I, I mean, I guess Cho and, and Tom are kind of comparable in this way. They're, they're sort of just like tricky, do whatever the hell they want kind of guys. So they're going to craft their plan around tricking their opponent or whatever. Oh man. Cho taught Raptors some lessons. It was great. How to not play it straight? Yeah, because he was just getting annihilated, and he, you know, talked his opponent into doing something, just like using uh, the plus two, plus two, all my warriors okay. sorcery. And he's just like, oh, if you have this thing, I'm dead, or whatever. And the guy just like cast it, and Cho just like killed all his creatures. <laughs> and if the guy just like plays two more things and does it next turn, Cho can't possibly win. And Raptor was just like, I would have never won that game in a million years. I, I will say that I think that if you want to call it a hole or whatever, sure. But I just, like, don't have that in my range. Oh, I used to. I'm not really about that anymore. I don't really like tricking my opponent. Remember that one time I attacked you for one? Yeah, and you still just, like, get off on it every once in a while, just like right now. So I was trying to think of, like, all the things I had done and, like, how I haven't done it recently or whatever. But no, that was the thing. I don't know. Like, sometimes that stuff, to me, depending on my mood, is more important than, like, winning. I mean, I like I've I've definitely shown strength and just like bluff attacked my opponent, but like never in like I am I'm going to verbally goad them into making a mistake. Yeah, doing the verbal stuff I don't really like. If it, it feels dishonest to me. Yeah, attack with no trick into my four four with your two two. If you got me, you got me. That's great. Yeah, but just be like, oh, I guess if you have this, I'm dead. Which is just like very close to a concession if they just showed the card to you and you're just like yeah i'm not conceding then it's like well then maybe they know something's up but they're just like oh, okay well he's he's basically conceding so i'll just go through the motions right and then you blow him out it's just like that feels dishonest yeah that, that's actually the the biggest gray area for me it's like at, at what point is it implied that they've cast the card are they, are they just flashing it and it, and like you said if, if you're like you know show me this or whatever and then they actually you know, you don't concede to the card, and they, they're just like, why aren't you conceding? Then obviously you've entered another realm of, you know, complete awkwardness. Yeah, now it's just like, okay, how do we proceed from here? Because this is, this is just a mess. Yeah, like, I don't know if that's grounds for, like, calling a judge and getting them involved. Maybe. I don't think it is within the rules, but yeah. Cho does that stuff occasionally when he knows it's going to work. Like, you have a good rapport with your opponent, you're just kind of joking back and forth, and it's like, well, if you got this, I'm dead. And then they're just like, yeah, I got this, and then they just go to kill you. And God, that's the most dishonest part of the story. You said, oh, I, I've, I've established all this time no, no. making sure I'm friends with my opponent before I annihilate him. Well, I think it's just good practice to try and be friends with all your opponents, right? Uh, just like, we're here to have fun, we're here to play a game. We're, yeah. We don't want to be. We don't want to be dicks or anything. Like, I mean, I think I can be like friendly and cordial with all my opponents without talking a lot. You know, so that's what I try to do. Yeah, and then they probably think you're an asshole afterward. But I mean, I'd, I'd like to think that's not true, but who knows? <laughs> well, you, that's why you have to tweet more. Yeah, so I, I guess so. People get a glimpse into you know your personality, what you're about. They form some kind of connection with you. They like you more. Yeah, that one guy like thought that you just manipulated me. Yeah, I definitely didn't. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Uh, life's, life's full of choices, Michael. <laughs> it sure is. Like, I made a choice to, to tweet it 11 p.m. two days ago or whatever. Yeah. Oh, good uh, times. Crap. Where were we? Uh, I don't know. Talking I guess, about I guess, standard. Yeah, I guess we haven't talked about modern. Standards. Is the format done? I guess we should kind of finish this. Because this is a thing that I see pop up every once in a while. It's just like, is it... Do we check out at this point? Is it only, like, Black Green and Mardu? Some people are going to play Saheeli and, like, the 10% of that combo keeps down all these other sweet decks from existing? Or what's the deal? I don't know. I mean, there, there's some random decks that keep popping up in, like, 5-0-ing. And people are doing some kind of cool and creative stuff. Like, I don't think it's completely impossible to win. But, like, uh, for the most part, yes, I would say it's just a three-deck format. Well, that blows. 
Yeah, it sucks. I mean, I'm going to play standard the bare minimum, and I'm probably just going to play either four color or black green till the end of the format. Well, you say three deck format, and then you say you're going to play four color. That's like a fourth deck. I actually think chess guy is pretty bad, and four color just kind of occupies that. But All right, fair enough. I mean, I kind of feel the same way, but chess guy did top eight the Grand Prix, so I guess it deserves some consideration. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is a deck that is capable of winning because Blue Gear Hulk is so powerful, but I don't think it's fundamentally a strong strategy right now. All right, you want to talk about Modern? Yeah, like, I, I, I'm surprised that we were able to talk so much about, you know, people being scum and standard in 35 minutes. Man, I could talk about scumbags for, for a very long time and then Years. standard for at least some amount of minutes. Yeah, you could also yeah. reminisce about getting one point of damage with your Delta of Secrets before losing horribly two turns later so many times. I could do that, but we'll save that for another time. I see. Okay. Next next time I see you in real life. I still stand by the fact that it was correct for me to block, or not block, and you to attack. I think simultaneously two people can be right, but maybe that's just a little too hugs and sunshine for you. No, it's not, because I can't win any other way, so I might as well take my free point of damage, because you can't block, because you can't risk it, even though you have force of will. For, for people who don't know, I attacked I a Delver. force of will. No, you did. I did not. All right, well, you, you forced a thing like two turns later, so. Yeah, I drew it. I, I think I had days. Anyway, I attacked an unflipped Delver into a Stoneforge Mystic that got Batterskull in Legacy, and my hand is, I think I, like, tapped out, too, because I went, like, Ponder Ponder or something and just shuffled them both, and my hand was just straight garbage. So I was going to die to Batterskull. And Major's just like, ah, he could have, like, a growth or a gut shot or whatever. You know, this was, like, the Treasure Cruise format, so playing zero mana spells is completely acceptable. Yep. There's, like, no risk in me attacking because I'm going to lose anyway, and there's no reason for Majors to block and And risk the it. only way I can lose the game is by blocking. Yeah, you did have another Stoneforge, but things could spiral out of control, right? Yeah, I mean, you could just, like... I could growth, untap Treasure Cruise, and just be, like, so far ahead that your other Stoneforge doesn't matter. And Exactly. So yeah, I think I think uh, both is correct. But yeah, Modern is busted, and I'm really scared about playing in the tournament this weekend. Uh, I'm really excited about playing in the tournament this weekend. Yeah, you're doing cool stuff. Are you not worried about other people like killing you on turn two? Well, I'm registering three spell snare, so that helps. Three spell snare. All right, we. It's <laughs> basically four force wills. I, yeah, I mean, you know, people are gonna kill me some amount of time on turn two, but that's just what happens when you register in Modern Legacy tournaments. Just deal with it. Legit. Uh, So I'm not worried about, like, dying on turn two in one of the games. I'm worried about playing against a bunch of decks that are trying to kill me on turn two and my deck just being pathetic. Okay. I I think that's probably a valid concern. Do I want to have that sweat every time I sit down, like, sit down from a person? I'm just like, all right, does this look like a guy who would be trying to kill (laughs) me on turn two, you know? Does he just look like he wants to to rain on someone's parade today? Like, is he playing Cheerios? Is he playing Goryeo's Vengeance? Yeah, yeah. Is he... Let's let's actually talk about what you're alluding to. I'm talking about Aether Revolt, breaking everything. Yeah, so there's a lot of really powerful Aether Revolt cards for Modern, and for whatever reason, Fatal Push is getting the most press, even though it's the most fair one. Yep. Carry Zev's expertise, and to a lesser extent, all the other expertises, but Carry Zev's is the one that is castable off Spirit Guide. It is red, so it fits into your Goryeo's Vengeance deck. You can fuse any fuse card off of these expertises for no reason i have no idea why that's a rule i literally don't know why it works it doesn't make any sense i, I, I like i actually changing. don't understand why it works i don't know it's I just was, if it just if works. You ca- if you cast it from your hand for free you can just fuse it if you want to yeah i don't know why but but it does work and they also have combined cmc so you cannot spell snare it oh that's messed up too did you not know that so it's not like i carry zev's expertise i'm gonna play breaking with it and fuse entering and because like it's so weird that you get to announce two cmc thing to play off the expertise right but you also get to fuse it and make it an eight cmc yep that's that's 100 how it works come on yeah so so last week when i was like man spell snare just sounds like the best ever because we can fight this thing you can't that is balls yep well thank god i audibled away from my three spell snare deck well, to, to be fair, uh, you, you can just, like, fatal push the target of the expertise and buy yourself some time. Mm, that is interesting. That is not something I considered. Yeah. But that so, does make uh, a lot of sense. So if you Forbidden Orchard me and I get a little cuddle of spirit and then we uh, you try to threaten it, I might pass it. And that, that's pretty good for me. 
Yeah, that ain't bad. Okay, okay. You got some play. Yeah, so uh, it, it is an oppressive thing in its nature, but there are ways around it. Okay. I like that. That that makes me happy. Man, maybe Gutshot is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is sweet that suddenly your removal spells have some utility in these matchups, whereas previously they were very, very bad. So I had Dan Ward over at my place yesterday. Really? Yeah, he came out early. Oh, oh, for, oh. yeah, yeah, for the GP. Okay. Yeah, and he's he was staying with Dennis Ulanov, who lives here now, and picked him up, got lunch, came back to my place, busted out the whiteboard, worked on his deck a little bit. Yeah, at no point did it come up that you could kill the creature to fizzle the threaten and not play the free spell. I wonder if that's a thing that has just never happened to him. <laughs> Hard to say, but there you go. Because we were talking about, like, you know... I, I was saying that, like, people are definitely going to keep in lightning bolts just to, like, pressure him. You know, like, that was just a small talking point. And he agreed, but he wasn't like, oh, and it kills the thing, so whatever, whatever, you know? No no so, idea, man. Huh. Man, I think you broke it, Majors. I think I kind of just understand how magic cards work. Except for yeah. fuse. I don't understand that. Yeah. Well, that's that's the outlier. Inter- interaction is beatable. Yeah, but... Should I want to be, you know, terminating my own Tarmogoyf or whatever? Because, like, what if they don't even have the breaking entering, Michael? I fully appreciate any gamesmanship that might occur because of that. Dan and I did talk about how we have cast show and tell with no good permanent to put in, like, multiple times. And it's just always gotten countered. Oh, dude, I had a funny moment on Moto last night. I had seen my opponent's hand from a discard spell, and then, like, and I knew his hand was two through the breaches at some point in the game. Yeah, and at my end of turn, like four turns later, his two cards in hand placed through the breach. Oh so, man! So his cards were only through the breaches. Correct. So you're just like, yeah, cool. Yes. I I would love it if he had three cards, but even when he has two cards, it's just like, well, I'm gonna give M majors on Moto zero credit or whatever. Yeah, whatever. I, I mean, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, it's gas. It's so disrespectful to your opponent that I don't think I would do that one. <laughs> I mean, he obviously just... I, I think he just forgot that I knew that both his cards were through the breaches. That's the only logical explanation. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, so Gorio's Vengeance deck now with Breaking Entering and Zev's Expertise instead of basically Knight's Whisper and the Green Shoal, Nourishing Shoal. Yeah. That's, a, I, that's a deck. I think that's a real cost, too. Sure, you have this powerful B plan of Breaking Entering and you can get an Emrakul and just like hard walk your opponent out of the game. But you also can't just, like, hard combo somebody like you normally could with Gorya's Vengeance. You don't. I, I wonder if the deck should maybe have a couple rituals to try and increase your kill percentage when you have Gristlebrand. So, like, say you put Gristlebrand into play through Gorios or whatever, and it's one of those moments where, you know, you ha- you used all your mana to, like, try and set this up, right? So it's not like you end of turn Gorios on tap with four mana, and then you just definitely get to kill them. It's like, say you put Gristlebrand into play with zero mana, right? You get to, like, draw 7, maybe draw 14, and try and set up anything, right? But without Rituals and without Nourishing Shoal, you ba- like, your turn is basically done. Yep. You, ca- you can't really do a whole lot more. But if you have a couple Rituals, then maybe you can have, like, two Spirit Guides, Expertise, your own Gristle Brand, and then hopefully hit an Emrakul or something, and then actually just kill them that turn. Like, maybe that would help. Yeah, I mean, there would certainly be costs associated. It's like... You already have this kind of, you know, you, you basically have two sets of two-card combos. You have to get something into your graveyard and Gorya's Vengeance or uh, assemble Breaking and Ring plus Expertise. So once you start adding different types of cards to the equation, like, your deck becomes less consistent. Well, also through the Breach plus Fatty in hand. Sure. So I guess in some ways you have three combos. Yeah, but maybe it's like you go... Because, like, how many combo pieces do you need, right? Like, how, how threat-dense do you have to be? Uh, I mean, certainly it's possible that you don't have to be as threat-dense as you are. You could maybe shave on some Through the Breaches and just have it be a sideboard plan. Yeah, I'm kind of down with that. That's not unreasonable. Honestly, I'm never going to try to tune that deck. It's just not my thing. Aw. This is a deck that I think that you would hate, because even fusing B&E off expertise, you're like 70% to hit something. So you're getting it in good. You're better than a coin flip, right? But you're expending all these resources to sort of flip a coin you know it's a weighted coin but it's a coin yeah i i really like having more control over things even if it means kind of grinding it out a little bit more than on average so there are definitely going to be games you lose where you know the whole show me your combo thing you remember this uh, i don't actually 
Oh, so uh, Flores was playing against Zach Hall, Mike Flores, uh-huh. and he assembles Cephalid Illusionist Nomading Core, so he can mill his entire deck, and I think he, like, set this up on his upkeep or something, for whatever reason. He's just like, yeah, I have the thing, you're dead, or whatever, and Zach says, show me your combo. So uh-huh. he, he he just, like, flips his deck over, and then he goes to, like, Dread Return, the bug thing that gets, I don't know. It does stuff with Kiki-Jiki. I forget exactly what it does. The Mimeoplasm? Sure, it becomes... Oh, oh, uh, it's Sutured Ghoul, right? That's what it was. No, it, it was Sutured Ghoul, but Mimeoplasm is better. Okay, whatever. So some arbitrarily it, large creature. Yeah, so you get Narcomima's Dread Return something, right? And Zach was like, well, we're still in your upkeep, so now you have to proceed to your draw step, and since you just, like, milled your entire deck, you lose. I don't know if that's scum or genius. It's It's a fine line little bit of both, but what I took away from that was just show me your combo is just great, especially when they're playing a combo that can fizzle, and then they do fizzle. Yeah, that's dope. So you're just like, show me your combo. They're just like, all right, spirit guide, spirit guide, tap my forbidden orchard, carry Zev's expertise, take the token, fuse breaking entering, and I milled six land, your turn. It's just like, that was it. That was my big combo finish. Yep. So why are we surprised sure. that I don't want to tune this deck again? No, because show me your combo is great, Michael. Okay. I'm sure that many people will enjoy that sentiment. I think I think the puzzle is interesting. I played the Gristlebrand deck a lot in, like, 2013. Like, I was one of the people that was working on the deck, and then... I don't know. Like, I, I was playing all the weird modern decks. I was playing, like, the Amulet deck and stuff, and it's like, my decks were never as good as the ones that exist now or whatever, but it was like, no, something is, is busted here. And it was enjoyable to work on the puzzle and then once like bob huang put in like the nourishing shoals and stuff it was like okay this is a real deck and then forget what happened with the amulet deck i think they just like cut some of the nonsense i had and like had better sideboard plans and stuff and it was like okay this is a real deck but like trying to figure out that puzzle was fun to me no that's legit i mean if you were like hey man let's try to figure out this glorious vengeance deck i would spend some amount of my time helping you but it's just not something i want to pursue on my own yeah that's fair i mean well if there was a lull then it would make more sense. But it seems like you are working on plenty these days. Yeah, maybe, maybe. The, oh, dude, nice segue. Solid. There's so many sweet cards in Aether Revolt that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a busy bee. So you just wrote a sweet article on Renegade Rallyer. Dude, I did. Yeah, I, I'm, I actually, some guy in the comments was like, hey, man, just like build me a deck. And I built it and it was dope. And I was proud of myself. Nice. That's I, cool. I, I came to the conclusion that you can. So he was like, build me a greater gifts deck with Renegade Rallyer, because it seems good in that deck. And I was like, okay. So I sat down, and I thought about it, and then I built a deck that you can essentially loot your entire graveyard, or li- library into your graveyard, and Renegade Rallyer is Safi loop, because okay. you're drawing three and discarding three every iteration. So you can essentially mill your entire deck, and then you can cast Splendid Reclamation and assemble the hard lock of Double Myria, Double Yose. Oh, Jesus. Isn't yeah, I'm looking, at this deck, I'm looking at this deck right now. Isn't it cool? You're just like a fair green white Amiria deck, but you can just like hard block somebody. Man, this is awesome. He yeah, did say, know, "Can man. you make me Mirin gifts with Renegade Rallyer?" Yeah, there, there's a Mirin in there. There's Yose. Whatever. Yeah, this 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 definitely counts. There's there's a four mana card that you know ends the game on the spot. Yeah, it's gas. That we should start doing something like that. Just like, all right, build within these parameters, but, like, try and make it good, not just, like, the handicap yourself, like, Jim Davis streams or whatever. Yeah, it's like, I I was actually really proud of myself, because within, like, ten minutes, it was like, well, I can draw my whole deck, so what can I do with that? It's like, oh, if I could return all my lands, and I was like, oh, yeah, Splendid Reclamation. Yep, there's a card for that. All right. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I mean, obviously, I don't want a million people being like, build me a deck, but within some amount of reasonable taste i'm i'm down for that challenge well uh, enough of the decks in your article are are they seem like they're kind of products of that it's just like build me a deck that were of inventions for lotus bloom and then sun titans it back i mean that's basically just how my mind works so build me a deck with zektar shrine expedition and <laughs> renegade rally <laughs> yeah i mean all, all of that like that is what is interesting to me about magic you know what are these you know this this new card that does something powerful what can I do to combine it with some old strategy or old card and like make something fresh that's awesome? Yeah, that was basically what I was doing when I was working at Wizards too, just doing FFL stuff and looking at spoilers. And it's like, all right, this is sweet. Oh, here's here's like a favorable interaction, right? How would this deck look? That that's a lot of fun to me. I, I had a very good time thinking about that Lotus Bloom deck. 
All right. So every once in a while, if you have a good idea, you can solicit Michael Majors, and he's he's deck builder mercenary for hire. Only if it interests him. If you ask him, a, like, build me a zoo deck, no, right? But if if he says, like, greater good renegade rallier, that's going to pique his interest, and he's going to build you a deck. That's just how it's going to go. It's critical that for probably two or three years, Mirren was my favorite land, and I love greater good. Oh, man. I like Mirren. Miko Koro was my jam, though. Dude, Mirren is just so awesome. There was, there was nothing better than sacking Kaiga to steal their dragon. You're a horrible person. Nah, man, I was just playing it honest. <laughs> I even had two Mirren in, in many of my decks. Oh, yeah. I played two Shizo a lot. I think I had two Miko Koro in my Kagamaro deck. This is a completely, like, off-subject thing, but, like, I, I realized when I got older, at, at a certain point when I was, like, 13, 14, 15 in that Kamigawa era, I was like, man, I am just going to cut my legendary lands because they're so marginal, and I never want my opponent just to, like, mana screw me. I, I literally did that. But if I was smarter, I would have been like, I should just play more land and try to mana screw them. No, because I was generally coming at it, like this was back in the day where the legendary rule just killed both your things. Correct. So they play, you you have like a Mirren, and you have that and two islands untapped for your Void Shatter or whatever crappy cancel was legal back then. And then they just like strip mine you and play your big play their big spell. And you just can't do anything. You can't float mana. It's just like, they play it, safe base effects happen, your land dies, and it was kind of horrible. Because it's like, oh man, Shizo's my fourth land, I really want to cast this Gifts, but I don't want to do it main phase, because I could get Hokoried, or, you know, like, what they play might change what I Gifts for, or whatever, and then they just, like, Shizo strip mine you, and you just wasted a turn. Yep. So, Grand Prix Minneapolis, I just cut my Shizo and my Okina, because I was sick of getting Mana Screw in the Mirror, because I was generally taking, like, a controlish stance in the Mirrors. I top aided that tournament, but a lot of people made fun of me, and I don't think it was right because my plan was probably a bad plan. But I definitely did do that because I was like, I don't want to get strip mined, Michael. I just don't. Dude, we were kindred spirits even way back when. Yeah, twenty-five year old me, fifteen year old you. I'm not sure what that says about me. Probably says a, a lot of things. Hard, hard to say. <laughs> Cutting Shizo is pretty aggressive. That card was legitimately great. Shizo is busted. Yeah, but it it like. I didn't need it with my plan, so yeah. whatever. You know, I think Okina is, I... is definitely defensible, I think. Yeah, Okina is just whatever, but Shizo is just super messed up. I think my list at the end of the season, like a month later, had two, two Shizos. <laughs> sure. Anyways, uh, tangent aside, what were we talking about? The old legend rule. No, Mirren, Mirren being great. Oh, yeah, Mirren. Renegade deck builder for hire. Yeah, Renegade Rallier is super freaking good, and... I think people are going to build their lists very badly um, and play, like, two Rallyers for a long time and play a bunch of Kitchen Finks, and they're going to be wrong eventually. Well, if you're trying to do the Malira thing, playing Finks is just a necessity, but I don't think that's the right combo. I think you want Safi Rallyer instead of, like, Anafenza Malira, and I think you want the Viscera Seers to combo with, like, Voice Rallyer, and then you just play, like, a Blood Artist or something to scry into completely agree so it does require one more card technically but the upside is that all your cards are good well it requires an extra card to kill them but the red cap thing always did you don't gain infinite life but i just think like most of your games are going to end with like you having a viscera seer sacking a voice in renegade rally or ing it back yeah i mean that's like your super fair game plan a but game plan b is just that you scry infinite times and do actually kill your opponent or gain yeah. infinite life, whatever you want to do. Yeah, but screw Kitchen Finks. I'm yeah. off it. Dude, like, the the worst case scenario is... I mean, this is not the worst case scenario, but, like, turn two on the play, you just, like, get a fetch land back on the battlefield. It's so stupid. Most of the time, you're going to be getting an extra body, which is going to effectively gain you two life. And and that might spiral out of control and, like, gain you even more life, assuming they're trying to attack you with the creatures. Now, obviously, if, if Burn is in a like a top deck race to try and find enough lava spikes to kill you then finks is better but i think most of the time rallier is just going to create a better board for you than finks is and it's going to gain you more life yep agreed i think the card is just really dumb and obviously all the abs and shells and has a wide variety of applications elsewhere yeah your abs and now your seal of primordium is ancient grudge yeah i, I love that that guy's moto or i think it was actually an iq that i found that it's really smart 
Yeah, Seal of Fire is pretty sweet too, but less good. The thing with Rallier though, I feel like green and white creatures against Gorio's Vengeance is probably not great for them, and uh, the Cheerios deck probably is going to prey on decks that are 30 creatures in 4 removal spells. What else is from the new set that's busted? Storm? Storm is messed up? Well, Storm is actually super vulnerable to scavenging use and to a small degree, so is Gorio's Vengeance deck, so... I think those matchups well, are potentially winnable. Gorios itself is vulnerable, but you have no window to ooze the B and E. Correct. And yes. yeah, and you can't do anything against through the breach. Like I think a good version of that deck is going to have a sideboard plan that just involves removing all the Gorios. No, I think that's legit. But I mean, presumably, you know, you can bring in rest in peace or something. Yeah, rest in peace and cage are still things that are going to stop the combo in leyline. But those cards are not super played right now it's mostly just like surgical and relics and stuff yeah and, and i i don't think that you know suddenly the format despite getting this influx of very powerful interactions is just going to like turn completely broken i think that's just not how modern ever works yeah i agree with that i don't think that people have the capability of just changing decks on a whim decks are expensive and a lot of these decks are just you know, a lot of cards that don't have any overlap, right? So it's like, now the Cheerios card spiked, and you don't own any of those cards. I don't own any of those cards, you know? I would have to just buy the deck completely outright, and probably the same thing with the Gorios deck, and probably Storm, too, so... Yeah, I mean, I think Storm is actually pretty cheap, for the record, but... Cheap for now, until everything goes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I actually think Storm is the weakest of the decks. It's weak in that it is slow, but I think it is also, like, one of the most consistent combo kills that exists in Modern now. Like, that deck should win turn 5 through Disruption a decent amount of the time, which a lot of combo decks can't do that. Like, most Modern combo decks are just, like, glass cannons, where it's like, you play a Rest in Peace, they mostly fold, you know? But I think Storm is different because it has access to, like, Merchant Scroll and Remand. Uh, I think it's still very vulnerable to cards like Rest in Peace and Leyline and things along those lines. I mean, yes, you do have very, quote-unquote, easy access to Echoing Truth and Remand and things along those lines, but if your opponent ever just, like, fights you back, then you basically have nothing. Yeah, but, so it's like, they play Rest in Peace, you Remand it, you untap, you play, like, a Baral or a Electromancer, and then you Merchant Scroll for an Echoing Truth. Next turn, you have Truth, Gifts, like, untap, kill you. And it's just like, that doesn't seem that crazy to me. Meanwhile, your opponent hasn't really done anything. Obviously, if they're like, discard spell into rest in peace, all right, sure, you know, things are going to get tougher. Maybe you have to beat them down with 1-3s, I don't know, or 0-1-3. Probably unlikely you beat them down with multiple 1-3s. I mean, I would certainly not expect to lose to just rest in peace, but if, if they're putting any effort into beating you, I think Storm is pretty beatable. It is, but I don't know. For this tournament, I feel like it's pretty good, assuming people are playing, like, Scapeshift and Banteldrazi and... All these decks with four mana sorceries, you know? No, no, I'm, I agree with that statement. It's It was it was number three on my list, let's put it that way. Okay, what was number two? Death Shadow. Ooh, that's what I audibled to. Yeah, that deck's good. Also probably a good time to talk about it. So I was going to play Grixis with Jace. I was pretty excited for that. Fatal Push gave you, you know, a little bit of an upgrade, but ultimately was not that big of a deal. And then Probe and Become Immense got banned. Or Probe, not... Become Immense effectively got banned because Probe is gone. But Probe and... What's the other card? Uh, Grave Troll. Grave Troll! Yeah, that basically didn't get banned because you could just dredge four instead. Anyway, so uh, people are playing less Infect, which means that Burn has less good matchups. So I wasn't going to play Burn because people were playing a bunch of Affinity and Eldrazi and Scapeshift and stuff like that. And now there's, like, a bunch of Tron decks, and there's all these, like, weirdo combo decks from the new set, which, again, I don't think are going to be super prevalent, but I definitely don't want to just have to fade turn two combo decks every round or whatever. Like, I want to, you know, punish those people or at least have a shot against them. So it's like, all right, maybe I need a clock in my Grixis deck. So I was like, all right, I'll play Kevin Jones's Delver deck. I've been telling him that I was going to play it for a while now, and every tournament I would just audible... So in traditional fashion, I audibled again once I saw this Death Shadow deck. And it's basically what I wanted. It's clock plus disruption in a deck that I will have fun playing. And it's, yeah, as you put it earlier, it's a Jun deck that doesn't flood and is super compact as far as, like, its threat package. And it has a bunch of removal and just, like, a lot of cards that you... Couldn't really get maximal use out of before, but now I think you can because with no probe, you're not incentivized to kill people with Become a Man, so it's like, all right, we'll slow down, become a little bit more controlling, and you just have Tarmogoy, Death Shadow, Traverse, 
and a bunch of removal and a couple battle rages. Yeah, I think the deck is basically just every single good element of Jund and all all the bad ones have been cut from the deck. Yeah, it's like you don't have like Huntmasters and clunky hands. Your late game is just like I'm going to play my fifth like, six power creature for one or two mana and eventually they're going to run out of pushes, you know? They're just going to die. But previously like a big draw of Jund over something like Abzan was not only the mana base and Lightning Bolt, um, but Raging Ravine that like actually gave you a legitimate late game threat. And now you don't have to play 24 lands, you're just playing 12 copies of ridiculously overpowered creatures. Yeah, I was talking to Dan Ward, because after we worked on his deck, we were trying to work on this one a little bit. I was like, alright, I want potentially a traverse target that is either hard to kill, makes multiple bodies, draws cards, you know, like something for when the game gets like grindy or whatever. And I'm just attritioned out a little bit. And it was like, okay, Witness, Courser, Tireless Tracker, Huntmaster, Thrun, like all these mopey things. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. And Ranger Revios is actually a good one, but I'm not even sure if I'm going to play it or not because just getting another Tarmogoyf is fine. It, it is so hard to kill when it's like 6-7. Whatever pushes they've had, they have used already. That also just puts them to the test. They have to like immediately kill this thing probably because I'm sure they've been worn down. And you have so many discard spells, too. Yep. I think uh, Stockless play, like, ten. Yeah, they have four Inky, four Thoughtseize, and two Brutality. Yeah, so... You also, you also have Kolagon's Command and Liliana the Last Hope to get your threats back. It's just, like, there is a never-ending stream of giant monsters. There's there's no way they're sandbagging against you. Like, stuff has, has been run out. Yep, their hand is gone, and at some point they're going to draw land. You're going to draw another 6-7. It's going to be glorious. Yeah, I, th- I think the deck is just legitimately good. Or maybe you draw a team or battle rage and want to do bodily harm to yourself, but that, that's that's something that I think is kind of the only weakness in the deck. You know, from from my opinion, having not actually played any games, I played against it a couple times on Moto, but battle rage seems kind of weak to me. Maybe unnecessary. Yeah, I agree with that. Because I was thinking of the situations where I would want to traverse for Gorklan Rampager, right? In a lot of those scenarios, it's just like, attack them with your big guy, traverse for Tarmogoyf, and pass. You probably don't kill them that turn, but how are they going to win? There are definitely situations against, like, Merfolk or some other go-wide creature deck where Rampager would probably win you the game that another Tarmogoyf won't, but most of the time, just, like, get another fatty. I'm probably okay about my matchup against Master of Waves with Liliana the Last Hope and Collective Brutality, but, you know, whatever. But I agree. Like, if, if your opponent's in the Abyss, then just tighten the squeeze. You don't have to kill them. Right. And naturally drawing Rampager is awful. And I imagine that naturally drawing Team or Battle Rage is going to probably be pretty awful, too. But it, it's been cool seeing the lists evolve on Magic Online and just everyone cutting their bullets slowly but surely. But the Battle Ragers are still in there. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe, like, people are worried about getting turn twoed and they just feel like they need to try to race. But you have so many disruptive elements that I find that hard to be the case. Yeah, I agree with that. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll play some games beforehand. Probably not, because I'm not going to get into, like, 1 a.m. Saturday morning or something. But Yeah, that's not great. I, I, have, I, I have it mostly sleeved up. I could probably goldfish. I would suggest just splitting the difference, playing, like, one battle rage, and just, you know, maybe being tilted off, like, 4% of the time instead of 8%. I like that strat. And then maybe you just, like, draw the one of in a game that it wins the game on the spot, and you're like, wow, I'm a genius. <laughs> I mean, one, you're going to be able to find a spot for one, right? Almost certainly. Yeah, God forbid you draw two copies, though. See, there you go. I fixed it. You did. You did. Now I get to play another Abrupt Decay or Push or whatever. Dude, Abrupt Decay is great. All right. Well, is that it? Do you want to talk about Legacy? What are you playing? Uh, No, we talked about that, right? Saltai? Dog, I'm playing Modern. Oh, you would play Saltai. Yes, I would play Saltai. Okay. Yeah, you are playing modern. All right, man, I'm I'm going crazy. I guess. Yeah, I literally sent you a deck list. You did. You sent me lots of deck lists. And uh, well, I, yeah, I guess I have sent you a lot of deck lists in the last week. Whatever. I appreciate it though. Thanks, man. I I never actually know whether you appreciate it or not because you barely respond. I do. I do appreciate it. I love it. Your ideas are then like stuck in my head, and that's probably why it's just like. I want to have hour-long discussions about these decks, not like, you know, type novellas back and forth or whatever, but then I'm sitting there thinking about your ideas and stuff, so yeah. You inspire me, Michael. Never stop. But I don't know if that's the case, because you only say it on air, so it's like maybe you're just putting on a front. I get worried. Well, that's because we never see each other. That's true. You, you did leave me. Probably. Yeah. That was, that was smart. Yeah, I did. You, you should do that. No. I'm glad you did. 
I am too. But I miss you, brother. Yeah, I'll see you, you in Jersey. Yeah. I think we're actually like going to have like a two-week break. That's my understanding. Don't really I don't think there's any events going on. The last I, month or so, I've been like, I need to figure out my schedule and just haven't. Yeah, I need to book a couple flights, I think. Are you going to Indy? What is that? Is that an open? It's an open. It's modern. You. We'll see how the Grand Prix goes. If I have a lot of fun at the Grand Prix, I'll definitely go. Yeah? Yeah, but I'm going to stay like on the northeast side and go to Ale Emporium and stuff. I don't know if you're interested in that. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I mean, I like that place well enough. They have really good wings. Oh, yeah. Ale Emporium. Uh, it's in Castleton, I believe, is the neighborhood. Place is dope. It's right across from the Giordano's, which is also dope. And I love Giordano's, but I always go to Ale Emporium. That's how good it is. Yeah, uh, the pizza's good. I mean, not really the style that I like a lot, even though it is good, but their wings are great. Yeah, Hermanaki. Yep. You know, I don't really get to see you, so I could, I could definitely pull that off. All right, man. Well, you better hope that I win this weekend. Or or maybe not even win, but just be like, oh, man, I messed up these 10 cards in my deck. If I change these 10 cards, then my deck would be busted sort of thing. Yeah, it's like, and, man, if I just cut that one battle rage, I would have won all my matches. Oh, uh, yeah. We, we were so close. We got halfway there, but couldn't cut the last one, and I needed to draw literally anything, and I drew that just thing. Just anything. All right. I, I don't really know how we got here. Uh, this conclusion's been weird. This, this whole episode makes no sense, but that's game. Good luck.